Good morning and welcome to you all in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles and you care to, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath, God, hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I just want to share a few thoughts here. Recently, I, I, read, I, I read a, a little article about identical twins who were separated at birth or separated shortly thereafter. And the study was, the study found that, that these twins who had been separated, their lives were just like so similar, which I guess is what you would expect. But in some cases, even the, the occupations that they chose and, the, and their, their, sometimes even their spouse's name were the same, the cars that they liked, Everything about them was just so very, very similar. And I know there's always exceptions, but the, the, the what, what they found in this study was that a lot of who each of us are is, is determined really before we're born. And so you could almost think, you know, well, then what does it really matter what I do? I'm just, I'm just kind of like predestined to be this person who I am. But... That's, that's not true, because we do have choices to make. Um, I guess sometimes you'll see someone who's really down and out, and you'll just think, I don't know what you'll think. Maybe you'll think negative, negatively towards them. But um, I, just, I just have to really think that every one of us, if we were born, if, if, if you were born 
the same circumstances as someone who's maybe even in prison, had been influenced by the same family, the same culture, you had the same genes they did, you probably wouldn't be very much different than that, than that person. Um, I just have to think how we all influence other people to some extent. Um, we all have choices to make. I was talking with a brother one time in our brotherhood, and we were going through some difficult times, and, and I remember, I'll never forget this. He told me, well, whatever you do, if, if you're going to do the right thing, it's not going to be easy. Doing the right thing is, is very seldom easy. It usually in, includes some self-denial, some giving up. It might cost you financially. There's a lot of things that go along with doing the right thing. So just a couple things I would just like to leave you with. Um, have compassion on those that seem to be not doing so well in life. And the things that you can choose, I don't know, if, I don't know what percentage it is. I, everybody always likes to put percentages on things. What percent things you can't change and what percent things you can. I don't know what it is, but I know that there are choices that we can all make. I mean, every day, you, we can choose right or wrong, even if it's just in a little thing. Just be honest. Be compassionate. Be holy. Avoid things that might drag you down spiritually. Take time to talk to somebody you think needs maybe some encouragement. Just, just little things, little choices that we can all make that are not in our DNA, that we just have the ability to do. Um, and you've probably all heard this before, but I thought maybe this was kind of fitting. It, and I don't have this word for word, but it's like um, basically accept what you can't change and have courage to change what you can and have wisdom to know the difference. That's kind of a simple little thing, but maybe helpful. Um, Cephas, maybe you pray for us this morning. And we will glorify the King of Kings. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. What a blessing to be here this morning. Welcome to each of you, visitors and those who come regularly. Good morning. It's just wonderful to be here. This uh, scripture that Brother Kurt read to us, I think accurately portrays, even though Paul wrote it several centuries ago, the day and the age in which we live in, the confusion of the world, and the believer's access to the power and the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. I've been uh, thinking about two or three statements that were made last Sunday here, all week long. Am I really awake to reality? Am I awake to the ultimate need? Will I share the gospel? Is my cup running over? 
And this morning, Brother Zach told us that the answer to all that is Jesus Christ. Last two verses of this chapter teach us that Jesus is to have the preeminence in everything in our lives. All our relationships, our agendas, our activities, every area of life. And that the answer to that is the cross. Where the flesh is crucified and the spirit is alive through the Holy Spirit. So who does Paul say that the called are here? A couple of verses we'll just reread. For you see your calling, brethren, verse 26, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty and not many noble are called, verse 24. But to them which are called, both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. I thought about a day that Jesus taught in the temple, and he taught of his lordship, and he used the example of David. And in a natural biological setting, he would have been, Jesus, would have been a son of David. But in the spiritual realm, he is David's lord. And David called him that. He called him Lord. And a statement right after this discourse of teaching says this. And the common people heard him gladly. And I take that to mean when they heard him gladly, they responded to Christ's lordship with heartfelt obedience. I'm thinking of another time in scripture where Jesus taught his disciples and several other people at the same time. And he taught words like this. He said, whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same will save it. And if a man should gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what profit would it be to him? Or what, what could he give in exchange for his soul? A soul surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is urgently important. All souls are important. Christ died for them all and he rose for them all. Souls are people. This morning, the title of our message is People Are Important. People are important. However, and we want you to get this, if I do not see past the person to the grace of God and the work of Christ being accomplished or the need of it to be accomplished, I have missed my calling. I'm going to say that again. People are important. However, if I do not see past the person to the grace of God 
and the power of Christ, either accomplished or the need of accomplishment in that life, I have missed my calling. People are important. We've got a lot of privileges in the country that we live in. And Shirley and I have been blessed over the years to be able to travel across this country and other countries in the world. And there are a lot of interesting places to go, a lot of sights to see. But you know, on any trip that we've ever been on, any place that we have ever been, people are always the highlight, the people that we meet. And just recently, we were privileged again to be gone for a few days, and we didn't meet any mighty people, any noble people with a lot of fleshly wisdom, and we didn't meet any celebrities. But we did meet a lot of common people with renewed hearts in Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and the kingdom. Hallelujah for that! I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the fifth chapter of Galatians, and we're going to read a few verses together here. Galatians 5, last five verses. Starting at verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections thereof. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, and let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit is all one fruit, just several different varieties of it. And as these varieties are all molded together, collective congregations are formed, local churches, and that is important. It brings comfort to my soul to be in a congregation that loves me, it brings encouragement to me, it brings accountability, and it brings blessing and so on and so forth. You can add to it whatever you want to. In the time that Shirley and I were gone, we met a lot of different people, and we have chosen to share with you some of those folks that we have met along the way that represent many more people that you encounter in life every day. We want to interview these people through the fruit of the Spirit today. These folks that we are going to talk about had fruit to share. They weren't planting churches. They weren't establishing large congregations. 
They weren't trying to build denominational systems of belief and so on and so forth. You know what they're doing? They were just bearing precious seed. Psalms 126.6. Seed of righteousness. And the seed is the word of God. Luke 8 verse 11. Paul put it this way. He said, I've planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know, just a seed dropped in the name of Jesus Christ gives opportunity for the Lord to give increase, to develop his kingdom. As we move through life, we want to absorb what others have to teach us because there are a lot of hungry people around us and people are important. So let's just uh, begin our tour this morning with a man we met by the name of Elmer. Ten years our senior. And as he talked with us, he said, I've had a lot of time to reflect on my life now that I'm older. And he said, as I've reflected on my life, he said, I've wondered how I am representing Christ to the people that I meet. How have I in the past and how am I now? Am I consistent with my witness? And we're putting some of this in our own words as he visited with us. Am I practicing self-restraint as I live? Have I fully trusted my heart to God? Is it sealed by the Holy Spirit? Am I bearing the fruit of temperance. You know, I thought about Job and his uh, friends that sat with him, and I thought about what this man shared with me. And this is a question that I had to ask myself Am I really listening to people? Am I really sharing? the word of God, am I really sharing Jesus with them or am I just trying to give them advice? And as you look at the uh, character of Job through his discouragement and his disappointment, I think you will find that he had the fruit of temperance. He said, though the Lord would slay me, yet will I trust him the fruit of temperance. Well, we're going to move on. Uh, I think we'll just go to the first day of our trip, first day out. You know, we, uh, we don't usually have uh, very much of a, uh, a schedule or a structure whenever we uh, move out away from home. A lot of people do. But we're usually more impromptu, and sometimes that offers a few challenges. 
we uh, were our first day out and we hadn't reserved any motel and we were out oh not quite to Kansas City and we decided well maybe we should uh, see how the availability is here so we stopped and uh, we were still several miles east of Kansas City but where we stopped uh, they had no no room and this was probably oh might have been four o'clock in the afternoon pretty early yet and uh, we said well what about on toward Kansas City and they said no there won't be any place open no no room said there's a big thing going on in Kansas City and you won't find a room between here and Kansas City so we went on down the road a little ways and uh, we got to talking about another place we'd been a few years back in Missouri and a little town that was south of the Route 70, but it was still pretty much on the way we were going. And uh, so Shirley called the place down there um, around Warrensburg, Missouri, and uh, she had her speaker on, on her phone, and the lady answered, and she said, This is Alto. How may I help you? And Shirley said, well, we're on our way west, and there are no rooms here. We wondered if you would have a room for us. Oh, yes. She said, I have plenty of rooms. She said, where are you right now? And we told her, and she said, okay, you just come on west till you get uh, to exit 45. That's Route 13, and it'll take you about an hour and a half to get here. And uh, we'll be looking for you. And Shirley said, well, uh, okay, I'll give you my credit card number to reserve the room. Oh no, she said, we don't do that. Said, we'll just be looking for you and there'll be a room here when you get here. So we got there and she said, now I have uh, given you a room on the walkout floor down underneath this floor, walking out at ground level. She said, a lot of people like that. If you, you go look at it, if you don't like it, she said, you come back and I'll just give you another room. And uh, so I began to ask her about, you know, not taking reservations by credit card and so forth. She said, well, she said, we're all family here. And she said, you're part of us. She said, we're not all biologically related, but we're all family. She said, the owner of this motel is that way, and he wants all of us to be that way. She said, we love people. You know, I thought about that. She didn't have any idea who we were, and she still loved us. You know, Jesus said that there are going to be people in life who are not really very lovely, but I'm to love them anyway. There are going to be people who are going to be enemies to me in life, but I'm to love them anyway. There will be people who will persecute me in life, but I am to love them. And so on, you know, the list is longer than that. Those are just a few examples. You know, I thought about that and I realized really quickly 
that the fruit of the Spirit that was the variety of love started clear at the top with God my Father. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and he commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The fruit of love. Well, we're going on now, and uh, the next individual we're going to meet is in a little community pretty close to where we grew up. And uh, this man's name's Jimmy. He's in his 90s. I thought about what Brother Kurt told us this morning. We have choices to make. We can choose to be compassionate if we want to. It's probably not our natural nature to do that, but it's our choice. You know, this man that's in his 90s is probably one of the happiest individuals I've ever met in life. And it's not because of his circumstances, it's because of his choice. You know, the realities of his life have been something like this. There's been the pain of wayward children. There's been the pain of bereavement of losing his companion, of losing some of his children when they were young. There's been the natural pain of joints with bone on bone for some years, and yet I've never heard the man complain one time. And as I interviewed this man in my mind through the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, I came up with the fruit of long-suffering with joy. You know, Jesus said, be of good cheer. Whatever your situation, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You believe that this morning? Now we're going to travel on from that point and the at this time, we're traveling with another couple, and they're making all the plans. We're just riding along. And we're getting out to uh, south-central part of Colorado. And uh, I hear the man we're traveling with on the phone, and he said, well... He said, now there's going to be two couples of us. Are you sure that you have room? Yeah, they did. They were sure they had room. So we, we got to our destination of our host and hostess. And here all they had was a garage they was living in. They hadn't built their house yet. They just built the garage. And they had about two or three little rooms up over the top of the garage. And we got there in the afternoon, and that family that lived there had four small children and just a garage to live in. And they said they had plenty of room for two couples. And we ate some meals there, and they had other company besides us. And they 
served 13 probably people at a couple of different meals while we were there. And they gave up their own master bedroom upstairs for Shirley and I, and they did all that with joy in their heart. You could tell it. And so I asked myself about that. Have I really learned unconditional sharing with others? Is it really a joy to me? Does that part of the fruit of the Spirit radiate from my life? You know, those people did not have room. They made room. You know, I think about Jesus one time. He said, there's going to be people who are going to be blessed of my Father, and they are going to inherit a kingdom prepared for them because they have taken the stranger in. I didn't know these people before we got to their place. They didn't know me. And you know what Jesus said? He said, if you've ministered to the stranger, you've ministered to me. Joy, a fruit of the Spirit. Well, we're going on, and we're, we're up on the mountain now in Colorado. And uh, it's Saturday, and there are a few of us couples who have made a choice to attend a worship service on Sunday that's 20-some miles from where we are at, and the route to get there is inaccessible by a traditional vehicle. And so we are going to ride in the open air on four-wheelers to get there on Sunday morning. And I don't know whether you've ever been on any of those kind of trails or not, but if it rained yesterday, it'll still be dusty today. And so those who are prepared to be on those trails that usually have the equipment, and uh, we didn't really, and so we got ready to go up the mountain, and uh, the one couple rode right up beside of Shirley and I, and they said, uh, they said, well, we see that you don't have any goggles, and most of them have goggles that are sealed around their face. Said, we do, so we'll take the back place, and you go in the front. You look in your Bible, in the book of Philippians, there's a couple of verses in the second chapter that came to me. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others the fruit of meekness. How often do I consider others and their needs ahead of my own? The fruit of meekness on display. And you know, meekness 
is not weakness, but it is strength and control. By the way, we did have a wonderful worship time that day. Well, it's next week now, and we're settled in on the side of the mountain for a little bit, and we're out working one morning, and a man came by that I had never, ever met before. He introduced himself as Dave, and he said, I'm your neighbor just a quarter of a mile over here. He said, normally my wife is with me, but he said she couldn't come this year. He said, we've been battling cancer. And uh, he went into more detail. We discussed the uh, situation just a for a moment there. I said, well, you know, uh, I said, Jesus Christ is the great physician and healer. He said, yes, I know that. He said, we've had a lot of people praying for us. And he said, we've felt those prayers. And he said, you know, no matter what the great physician decides to do for us, he is the Prince of Peace, and we have peace with however he decides to bless us. The fruit of peace. You know, I, I can go through all that, and I have it in my mind, but if it comes to reality, do I really have it in my heart? that however he blesses me, the fruit of peace will radiate from my life. Well, it was soon Sunday again, and this time we're going to go to worship at a little town called Sargent's right on Route 50. And it's the last time they're going to have service public worship service this year in that little town and they have it in a schoolhouse that was built in the probably the 1920s and uh, we had a wonderful biblical message that day about how Jesus can bless pain of unexpected tragedy but I'll have to say that that wasn't what impressed me the most about that service that day. There was a song leader there, and the hostess, really, for that meeting was an older woman called Jane. And in that congregation, that morning, there was only one child. Only one. All the rest were... They weren't older than I was, all of them, but most of them were older people. Just one child, 10 years old. And so before the preaching message, this hostess went to the front and she said, well, she said, I see that there is one child here today. She said, I cannot neglect a Sunday school lesson for that child might open your Bibles to the 18th chapter of Matthew. Well, you don't have to. I'll just read it. 
It says, at the same time came disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called the little child in him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And whoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 19 has a couple of more verses we'd like. They brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked him. And Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. How important is a child to you? Well, this uh, woman by the name of Jane took the little child right up there where she was, and she started telling her a story about how grapes develop on a branch. And she said, unless, and she was getting this from the 15th chapter of St. John, but she said, unless the branch is connected to the vine and the vine to the root, there won't be any grapes. And then she kind of bared her soul. And she said, you know, earlier in my life, I tried to do some great thing for the Lord. And she said, I found that that did not work. And really, the, the Sunday school lesson was for the little girl, but it was for all of us. She said, unless, and I learned this, she said, through experience, but unless I keep my heart right in the heart of Jesus, I will not bear fruit. But if I keep it there, fruit will mature and bear. And uh, my mind went to the gentleness, the fruit of gentleness that this individual had with the little girl. And I'd just like to encourage you to be gentle in the garden and with the plants. They're precious. So we returned back up on the mountain, and the next day uh, another man stopped, and his name was Ivy. I'd never met the man. He said, well, I'm just another quarter of a mile over here in this direction, and I'm your neighbor too. He didn't know me, but he said, we're on the mountain part of the time, and part of the time we're not. But he said, you just go over there to our place, and he said, you just help yourself to anything you want to, whether we're there or not. Just make yourself at home, and if you can use something there, just go ahead and use it. I'm not sure I would have been that kind of a neighbor or not, but what I thought about was godly neighborhood goodness. I think we could use more of that today. Do we really know our neighbors? Have we really stopped to get acquainted with them? The fruit of goodness. Well, it's the last Sunday now, and we're soon on our way home. And we're going to a little town over in the mountains called Tin Cap. 
to have worship service. And that town probably wouldn't have, oh, full-time residents. I doubt if it's got over 100 people. But people came in from all around the mountain, and uh, there were well over, there were more people than there are here today at that service. And uh, they come from all over the country. Again, most of them older. But there was a, a young family that came up and introduced themselves to us. And they were from Garden City, Kansas. And they had several small children. And uh, he almost uh, said apologetically, he said, well, I know we have several children. And he said, that's really not the way of the world. And uh, I told him, I said, well, I said, that's God's plan. I said, family was the first institution that God ordained. And I said, it's pl his plan. You don't need to apologize for having a lot of small children. You know, I think that man had faith in the word of God and faith in God. And he was passing that on down. And I want to say this this morning. I think that home is probably the most precious place to plant seed. And I think that's what that man was doing. He was planting seeds of faith, placing them in the furrows to develop a desire for a relationship with Jesus as a Savior and Lord and a relationship with the family of God and a love for the unsaved and a love for the saints. Pass on the fruit of the Spirit. Let's just read over them again. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those. One fruit, several varieties. Pass them on like this young man and woman were by example. You know, you can read through the Bible from the front to the, to the end of the book, and you'll always find that example is much stronger than counsel. You know, it's just the way it is. People are important. You know, you don't need to go any place away from home to experience everything I've talked about today. I suppose for me, when I get away, it just takes me out of the regular pace of life, the fast lane, the hurried pace, and I just seem to be more observant at least of a couple things. Number one, that a lot of people have a lot to teach me and that there are people with extreme urgent needs. A need for seed for the soul, Jesus and his word. As you go forth this week and worship the Lord and share him with others, May you be blessed.
blessing to the song.